this is Cindy. And this is the Morado Lens, a feminist podcast hosted by two childhood friends who discuss embracing our inner bruja, sex, and culture. Always funny, always real. And today we have the pleasure to interview Carolina Rubio McWright, who's an immigration lawyer and also consulting on the immigration campaign for Moms Rising and Mamas Con Poder. Carolina, are you there? I am. How Good morning. You? Thank you. Yes. Doing well. Thank you. Thanks for being here with us. Thank you for having us. So tell us a little bit about Carolina, the immigration lawyer, and how you came to connect with Moms Rising and Mamas Con Poder. Okay, so um, a f- two years back, I met uh, Suchil, who's one of the campaigners for Mamas Con Poder mm-hmm. um, at We All Grow, which is an incredible summit for Latinas and everything about empowerment. Uh, we met two years ago and I there was a need for helping our immigrant communities, our Latinas, empowering them with knowledge about what was happening. So we came together and um, I started working with them and helping them specifically with Mamas Con Poder and the immigration campaign. Um, now, Mamas Con Poder was launched in 2014 as part of the Moms Rising sort of Hispanic side mm-hmm. or, you know, um, Latina. So, you know, and Moms Rising is uh, a national nonprofit organization of over more than a million volunteers across the country. And what they do is they fight for family economic security and everything surrounding it. You know, family paid leave, affordable, high quality child care, access to health care, gun safety, anything important that has anything to do with basically providing us with a healthy life. Mm-hmm. So moms, so moms rising empowers, you know, it, 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 uh, it builds campaigns and it has, it brings all these people, volunteers across the country online and on the ground. And what we do is through signatures, we collect and we bring them to decision makers. So it's, um, it's a really effective way to bring change and make sure that people come together in in assuring and making, you know, sort of holding our elected officials accountable and moving forward. Amazing, amazing. And then do you feel like uh, Moms Rising, Mamas Con Poder are allowing there to be, um, are they achieving economic security for a lot of these women that you are representing at this point? Absolutely. I mean, we've we've had some huge successes with um uh, paid leave and, uh, you know, healthcare reform around the nation, uh, especially in areas where we have a lot of members like Washington, North Carolina, um, New York. So we have been very successful. You know, we, we were able to pressure fast food restaurants, for instance, in not offering soda just as a default drink for kids menus. Uh, so it's, so it's, so it's a lot of areas. We have a lot of campaigns and people can get involved in whatever capacity. It can be just a click or it can also be like showing up at a congressional member's office and talking about something that's passionate about them, you know, about something close to their heart. Uh, you know, it can be like access to healthcare for people with disabilities. So, so it's really a wonderful organization because it encompasses a lot of areas. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially for Latinas, because there is that huge gap where there is no space where Latinas can come in and, and not only discuss about the issues that matter to us, but also, you know, we want to show that, listen, there are a lot of amazing Latina leaders out there that are accomplishing incredible things. You know, we're not just all undocumented. Um, and then speaking of undocumented, mm-hmm. um, has that become your main journey right now, given the DACA situation, you know, the government shutdown that just happened not too long ago? Like what 
what is your main focus literally right now as we speak at Olina? So, you know, with the immigration campaign, um, we have been focusing heavily on TPS uh, and the Dreamers this year. It's been a very much an important uh, subject and, and we've been pushing very hard because those are two, uh, two sections of immigration where it's sort of transient. You're allowed a work permit, which means people have very, you know, great jobs. Um, they've achieved a lot. They've been able to become visible. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in the case of TPS, it's been 19 years. It's the average of a TPS holder. And it was a program that was created by Congress, which makes it, you know, even worse in that, you know, it was supposed to be temporary so that the countries that were recovering could have, you know, that time to recover without having more people and endangering more people to come over to their country, whether it be famine, earthquake, violence. But it's the type of thing that um, it is minorities. It is people of color. They are countries of color. And mm-hmm. uh, they want to, you know, they've been shutting down and ending the, the, the TPS uh, programs. And it's, it's not fair not to mention, you know, uh, DACA. And the reason why I mentioned TPS so heavily is because, you know, the DACA, the dreamers have been living in the U.S. and have this identity and this, you know, this sense of ownership of America. They feel American. When it comes to TPS holders, um, they don't feel American because most, you know, some of them didn't grow up here, despite the fact that there's 273,000 U.S. citizen children of TPS holders. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not as active when it comes to organizing. And um, this is where we feel like, you know, on Daku Black and Moms Rising, uh, Mamas Con Poder has been filling in that gap. But but it's really, you know, it's, it's incredible to see... Um, how much need there is and how many issues are happening at the border and in detention centers and, you know, with DACA. So it, there's, there's a lot of areas, but we're working heavily on DACA and also uh, on, on DREAMers, you know, passing the DREAM Act, along with also fighting for making sure that separation of family doesn't occur in the border and for detention centers. That has been, you know, making sure that there's visibility as far as the horrible things that are happening in detention centers right now. I have a question for you. So like, Take me through like a scenario. So somebody that is, excuse me, a TPS holder, a teenager. I mean, how could they necessarily like fight for themselves? Like they kind of want to stay like Mm -hmm. in the shadows, right? Because if they come out, exactly. If they come out, what don't they put themselves at risk even more so? Well, so, right. I mean, in the sense, so TPS, if you've had TPS, you have a work permit Mm -hmm. and sort of that work permit prevents you from being deported. Right. Right. So you're not going to be deported. So you have that work permit, but you are in limbo all this time. It's renewable only every six, eight, 12 or 16 months. So Department of Homeland Security reviews that and you have to pay $500 every time. So you're money. So you're basically a lot of money big portion of like whatever you're winning which probably isn't a lot because you're here and you're new in the country so you're probably taking like a low-level job I'm, I'm assuming for the most part like a big portion of that is going to just staying here absolutely it is to staying here and also you know not to mention the anxiety the stress that goes into that you know you've got at this point after living here for 19 years you know um you or 17 or however many you know i've been in this country for 16 years like i have two kids i have a job i have you know, it's impossible to not expect people to have created a life already. Right. Um, and and what are they going to do? You know, their options are you have to figure out what you're going to do in the next 18 months, which means you or 12 months. You have to figure out what are you going to do with your kids? You're going to bring them to an unstable country mm-hmm. and a place they've never been to right. p- potentially not speak the language. Right. 
Um, a lot and of people are, assume that you just have like family waiting for you there right. when, you know, with like open arms mm-hmm. to like give you a home and a job. And Carolina, also you mentioned the detention centers. Is there an estimate of how many undocumented mm-hmm. women are in detention centers with children? You know, we don't really have a number for that. What what I can tell you is the Women's Refugee Commission did a, a very extensive um, report which uh, we're actually having a maternal justice chat on Monday, January 20th, oh, well, January 29th. But um, we're having a maternal justice chat uh, regarding this exact um, report, which was done uh, last year between the, si- the first six months of office of the Trump administration. And what we found was an increase by 60 percent of of um so it was of women detained. So it went up by 60 percent, which means women are not being allowed to sort of seek their asylum process outside of detention centers. They're being held and they're bond. They're not allowed. To, you know, bond hearings are not automatic. And if they are, they're being denied um, or, you know, a bond is placed that is abs- absolutely ridiculous, considering, you know, these mothers are, are seeking refuge and fleeing horrendous conditions in Central America and South America. So it's it's um it's really it's really terrible. There's uh, detention centers have been popping up. They've been reopening mm-hmm. since the administration, um, you know, started and. It's it's causing a lot of a lot of trauma, a lot of issues. We're very worried about a new policy that has been um, that has been approved by ICE. We're waiting to see if uh, Secretary Nielsen from the Department of Homeland Security agrees to it. But essentially, it means that women and parents, anybody coming in with children, is going to be separated from those children at the border, and they're going to be placed in different. You know, they're going to be placed in the Children will be placed in ORR, Office of Refugee Resettlement, and the mothers will be placed in detention. I have a very painful question, and I hope this doesn't happen, but I have heard of this happening. So in the past, um, you know, the moms have gone through, like, all of these loopholes and, and, and court dates, and then sometimes they have found that their kids have been put in foster homes. Is that correct? That is correct. And uh, is it possible for these children in foster homes to actually be adopted into other homes? Um, possibly. I mean, I, I haven't really like looked into that enough to tell you with certainty, like what the number is or, or what, what it is. But, um, but absolutely. I mean, if, if this happens ORR has to place these children in, you know, they're placed in facilities temporarily and then they're given to foster families to take care. And traumatizing. How is this even legal is my thing. Right. No, it's, it's awful. like that. I know it's it's awful not to mention the fact that there's no communication, like there's no structure that would allow a communication to be in place for like moms to call their children. And there's a few articles, um, which I'll send you that have been popping up in the last uh, month or so about parents that have been set, uh, separated from their children. Right. Um, you know, where there was a man in detention, Jose, and he was moved to Texas. He came in through California and his kid was still in California, a one-year-old. What? Mm-hmm. And who was the one you're left with? Just a foster place? The ORR. Yep. Oh, wow. And then, you know, you mentioned like you don't really have numbers. It seems like there's a lot of mystery behind these families and these kids in particular. Who is giving you, know, you this hard time to get these numbers? Is it local government? Is it state? Well, you know, the Department of Homeland Security normally sets out like statistics for. So, for instance, in November and the reason why they're placing they're thinking about placing these policies is there was an increase in uh, 45 percent of 
people crossing the borders of family units crossing the border in November, which is a humongous spike, mm-hmm. um, along with unaccompanied minors crossing the border. So um, the problem is uh, the Office of Refugee Resettlement is very confidential because you have these children that have crossed the border that are vulnerable, that, you know, we're talking about uh, trafficking, sexual trafficking, mm-hmm. um, all these issues that come into play. So ORR is meant to be very confidential. Like you don't know where it is. Like it's very, you know, the communication it is hard, but um, it's just that ICE is not cooperating with, uh, you know, with the entities that are making sure that, that they, you know, policies follow through and that violation of human rights does not occur. Right. But right. once these kids are put into the public domain, which means they go to one of these uh, foster facilities, is that at that point, is their whereabouts and their and who they are um, public knowledge? To no, absolutely not. Okay. No. I mean, so so a parent, you know, they'll have to come out of detention in order for them to be able to do anything. Right. And that within itself is almost impossible right now unless you can get a bond hearing or so it's there's a lot of uncertainty. And we you know, because the structure is not there for this communication to happen. I mean, we're talking about um, there was a woman that was six months pregnant uh, that crossed the border seeking. You know, she had a very valid um, asylum claim. Mm-hmm. Her lawyer was looking for her for 24 hours. She could not find her. She needed medical help. She was placed in a bus and was bused from detention center to detention center for those 24 hours. She was just in a bus. She had to be hospitalized right after that. Wow. So these detention centers are strategically placed in the middle of nowhere where like you really can't have a lot of pro bono lawyers going there because you'll have to go like Dilly, Texas. It's in the middle of nowhere, right? We have one here in Berks County in Pennsylvania. Um, so you have these detention centers that are hard to access and uh, it makes it really hard for advocates to really access, you know, talk to their clients. And, you know, there's a lot of limitations like lawyers can't bring, can't bring uh, their phones. They can't bring water. They can't bring. So it's really, it's really, um, it's really crazy that this is happening. And it's something that people really don't talk about. It's something that is not in, you know, in the open, people don't realize that this is happening. It is not the the way it should be. But um, I wanted to know, like, you know, as a lawyer, right, you understand there's rules and laws that have to be, um, taken on so people don't go to jail right and so cindy and i were we do advocacy work we're definitely activists on many levels and is this something where can we go to these jails and create a a peaceful protest with many people who are very much american and latino and and almost bring more attention to these detention centers that are in a way hiding these people absolutely uh there are coalitions all over there's a detention center in washington um you know, where there's a really Washington state, uh, there's a really big coalition there. There there are coalitions. There's, you know, Detention Watch Network, um, you know, Human Rights Watch. They they're involved in this. Women's Refugee Commission has been very, you know, we, we had a forum with them, a congressional forum with a few representatives, and they're aware of the conditions. Um, uh, one of the representatives was telling us how they visited Dilly, Texas, and 
they, um, everything seemed fine. You know, it's a family detention center until they asked to speak with the detainees. And ICE was like, I don't want you to talk to the detainees. You can't do that. And the congressional member was like, I'm sorry, but I am going to talk to them. Mm -hmm. So she did. She spoke to a mom and she explained to her, listen, like normally there's no food in the refrigerators. They keep us, you know, it's really cold in the detention centers. That's why they're called Yeleras San Ferreras. Um, And so uh, she was able to, you know, and she told her, look, my son is sick. So a lot of times, a lot of these women end up choosing to self-deport, you know, which is, you know, to just choose um, removal on their own because they don't want to have their children in that situation. Right. And then you say Um, family owned. Does that mean they're privately owned facilities? They are privately owned. They're owned by um, CoreCivic, previously known as CCA and GEO. And these are multi-million dollar contracts. I mean, we're talking. We're talking $50,000 per inmate. It's, you know, it's, it's absolutely, and it's contracts that they have with the state, right? So the state pays, um, I think for, with our taxes, they pay. So I think in Santa Fe, I mean, in New Mexico, it was a million dollars and out of each bed, they paid 50 cents to, to, they gave the state back 50 cents. And these are beds that regardless of how many people are in there, they're going to be paid. They have to pay for every bed. This is damn shameful. So basically they have to make sure that somebody is filling in that bed. even though No, it doesn't matter. No, 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 no. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So the state will only receive those 50 cents back if the bed is filled. So you have this, you know, when Trump won, the stocks went up like incredibly because people realized, well, this is, you know, it's a business. Mm -hmm. It's a business and it's very profitable. And if you look at the house bill that is being proposed now, um, by, uh, the House of Representatives and not the bipartisan immigration bill. It essentially wants to deport everybody and wants to uh, bring up the detention centers. So basically, you know, if you had a lot of money, let's just say I just came into a lot of money tomorrow. So they just and got I, $20 million. And I wanted to uh, make more money in something that was kind of An a surefire thing. Right. You could like invest in detention centers. Privately Absolutely. It's one, of the be- it's one of the most profitable businesses. Mm-hmm. You know that guy that, oh, that used to have Prices Right, the mm-hmm. TV show? He's one of the biggest owners of privately owned um, detention centers oh in the West Coast, plus in, in California specifically. Fun fact, I know this because when I did go through my criminal justice thing, this was an investment I was thinking of doing, but to put away pedophiles, which oh. don't usually usually get away with murder, oh technically. But now, looking back on it, I realize like this business is so disgusting because it's really profiting off the backs of these marginalized people, right. as if they've been for many, many years. Initially, a lot of African Americans, now a lot of Latinos that are also brown skin, right? Mm-hmm. And being judged for Absolutely. that. Um, and specifically, I think I'm just as a mom, Carolina, and you, you know, you're a mom as well. Like, it's so hurtful to understand that kids, you know, one thing that the mom, mom, we're tough. We're moms. Like, we could handle that, even though it's tough. But to put your child through that process and them giving them really horrible conditions, to your point, and as a way to almost make them throw in the towel so they self-deport themselves, it's just shameful. And I think we have to highlight who are the people responsible for this. Um, but you're saying, yes, peaceful protests are very possible. We could show up to these jails outside and have peaceful protests, right? Yes, and absolutely. Also, uh, what helps even more is joining our petition. So for instance, um, you know, we have petition in California where we, we helped uh, release Maria Solis from detention. She was pregnant. She had no criminal record, married to a U.S. citizen, brought, you know, has a family members that are U.S. citizens, um, you know, and she was detained for about seven weeks 
in the most horrendous conditions, no sonograms. She fainted. I mean, we work really hard. So we created a petition really fast. We started talking with congressional offices, you know, and we got these signatures. So when it came uh, for her bond hearing, we, we, um, we provided all of these signatures. We made sure people knew about it. And, and, you know, those signatures really have an effect. She was able to be released. Good. And the next day, four pregnant women were released. Oh, man. Mm. So signing these petitions, online petitions, are very valuable, you're saying. So They're extremely valuable. They're, it's, and also, you know, responding to text messages, you know, um, to our text messages. If you sign up to our, you know, to our list, we'll send you and, and we'll keep you informed, which is what, you know, we really, it is the time for us to, organize and find out, you know, what is your cause that really speaks to you and, and take full force and go all the way. Um, you know, for Sotila and I, we feel very, very close and, and um, to, to this issue because it's really unfair that these things are happening, that these human rights abuses are happening in, in this country, um, that people don't know about them mm-hmm. and that are causing incredible trauma. I mean, Maria Solis's children now see a cop and almost pee their, themselves. Like, this is how scared these poor Beautiful. kids are. Right. They're no longer looking at authority to protect them and serve them. They're looking at them as they're going to get rid of my family and, yeah, and be in the process. Them. It's so important Absolutely. to realize that because, at, again, we, you know, our taxes pay for these government officials. And I think, you know, and our vote is what keeps these certain people in office um, that are not, obviously now we're seeing they're not for us people, marginalized brown people, black people, like they're not really for us. We need to understand the power of a vote, Carolina. But also, if, if you can please share with our audience where they could go sign up to sign these petitions, to see these petitions. Can you tell that to everyone? Yeah, absolutely. So if you go to um, Moms Rising uh, or Mamas Con Poder, you know, you can uh, look at the campaigns, look at the website. There's so many campaigns and uh, you will find lots of campaigns that speak to you because it is essentially every single problem that we have with society right now, equal pay, uh, fair pay for mothers, mm-hmm. um, immigration, healthy food, childcare. So go sign up. And what happens is we, you know, we'll call you and we'll say, listen, we need people in Pennsylvania to show up at this congressional officer, uh, you know, this congressional member's office, because, you know, there's a bill that's going to affect all of our immigrant um, workers. So we need you to make your voice heard and we need you to take this book. We make these we make these storybooks where we try to collect stories. Um, you know, so we had a TPS collection story along with just an immigrant story uh, where people shared how immigrants had impacted their lives and how important they were so that we could uh, remind these congressional members. So we make them in a in like in a fun way. So like, for instance, we we um, we use Statues of Liberty. Uh, so we brought every single congressional member in the Senate and in the House. We brought them a Statue of Liberty when we delivered this story. So we put a small spin on everything. You know, we we brought bibs. We brought like all sorts of things that make it so that they really, you know, sort of remember that, you know, this power of moms and you don't have to be a mom to be a member. You just have to have a belly button, right? We all have mothers. And if we didn't have mothers, we have sort of like an abuela or una tia. That's right. We've all been attached to an umbilical before. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Unless you're a science baby. There's still like exceptions, but yes, but real quick. So that's momrising.org. And is it also mamascompoder.org? It is mamascompoder.org. And, you know, we're on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter. We have Twitter chats about early ed chats. 
uh, you know, maternal justice, about food justice, about gun control, about pretty much everything, because we really want to make sure that, uh, you know, we want to empower moms. Our objective is we want to empower all of our members so that we organize, because in numbers, we really have an effect. And you would be surprised at how scared senators are of a group of mommies, Mm -hmm. you know, and grandmothers and uh, cousins and tias and so so it's it's you know it's important and it is what we have to do now in order for our voices to be heard. So that's another that's something I wanted to go back and ask you about. Um a lot of people don't think that their signature matters. They see a petition, they don't sign it, they don't think it makes a difference. Can you tell me a little bit why it does make a difference? Like if you think about it, it's just a signature. There's no name to it. I mean like what what is the power in that? You know, the power is um, our representatives. You know, what we do is, like uh, I mentioned, we collect these signatures. Mm-hmm. We make storybooks. We include every single signature. And we send these packets to not only, um, you know, our decision makers in Washington, but also locally. And also to, say, CEOs of companies. If there's a company that is, you know, very abusive with its members, we will you know, we will we will do something about it. So what we do is these signatures are incredibly powerful because they are numbers. They are numbers that represent. So we collected, I think, 37,000 signatures for TPS. And, you know, when we say, listen, in your district, uh, these many people, you know, if it's thousands of people that have signed and that are with immigrants or that are, you know, for maternal justice or that want to make allusion to gun safety, these representatives will feel scared because they're like, listen, like I'm here to represent you and they're going to vote me out. Right. Right. It's about that vote. It's about pe- pe- keeping the right It's about that power. vote, mm-hmm. you know, and it's about, you know, we really want to also empower people and tell them, listen, like your vote really counts. Your vote really counts. Uh, you know, I think uh, earlier this year we had a an election where a woman won by one vote. I can't remember what state it was, but it was something like one vote and we got a Democratic seat, which right. is crazy. But it's it's true. So so we want to you know, you think there's no power in that little signature that you make. But it does, because, for instance, in the case of of Maria Solis, we brought these signatures and the signatures made an effect. You know, it's like the, all these people are watching to what you're doing and you are not following the policy that the Department of Homeland Security has written for you. So if you're not following, all these people are going to come and they're going to protest and they're going to impede you from continuing with your job. And there's going to be media and they're really scared of media. So that's good to know. Speaking of that, we're a media outlet and we want to be invited, Carolina, to your next Pennsylvania, um, you know, meeting. And if possibly we want to get some footage and we want to make sure that our listeners who are, you know, a majority of them are Latinas, mm-hmm. are Latinx, and they give a shit, which is yeah. important, right? Like yeah. they want to help and they are passionate. And a lot of our, our brujitas and feminists alike, they're here to do they advocacy work. They, they do just don't know help. sometimes. They don't know where. So please um, let us know. We want to be that media that goes to the front lines of these situations and helps women, moms, children, and the generations to come. Yeah. And hopefully the vote in the midterms that's coming up this year should be about let's get more women in power. Let's yes. get more intersectional. Let me be very clear. I want to see more intersectional women in power. I don't want to see 10 white women. I want to see Absolutely. eight. I want to right. see eight intersectional women, maybe two white. Yeah, because like, I mean, at the end of the day, while they can sympathize and they can help as much as they want, it's going to be, it's really difficult. It's really empowering, one, for a brown person to see another brown person right. in power. Mm-hmm. It's going to help you relate. It's going to help you open up. It's going to help you want to even join in and help if you're not 
you know, you don't you don't have anything to do with that situation. But let's be, be let's be honest. White women are privileged, so they even if they want to um, sympathize, they don't really they can't really know what that is yeah. to live a life like that. Where like someone in Congress or in the Senate or local or state or federal, they know all too they well. know it all too well, and they're mm -hmm. here to be fair, more fair than that white woman who might not know any better, you know. Mm -hmm. And maybe to her, she's been brainwashed that there are too many immigrants here, right? right? And so, so Absolutely. I, yeah, so we want to see more of that. The vote counts. Please include us on your next um, visit to one of these detention centers. Uh, this is not specifically. I want to be able to help these foster. So if I could foster uh, maybe ten of these kids while their moms are in detention centers, let's find a way to do that because we have homes. We could create a nonprofit just for kids to come live. To be you with know? other Latino families, yes. wouldn't that be amazing? Yes, and not in a detention yeah. center, you know? Because no, and you're right. Not, yeah. That's not where a child should be. No. No, absolutely not. And you're right. It is important to, you know, and this is why we want to, uh, you know, we're launching a Facebook page uh, that's going to be open to everyone um, because we really want to not only empower our Latinas, but also we want to feature them. We want to mm -hmm. show them, listen, there's this Latina that you you know, that you need to follow. We need to also, you know, our dollars are very powerful. Latinos yes. have so much power and money. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I want to be powerful also and empower my people. So I want to know what business you have. Right. What, how are you helping the public? I want to encourage you. I want to see you succeed. Mm -hmm. So it's this idea of not only empowering, but also, um, like you're saying, we want to be represented. We, we want a voice because we've all, you know, the people that are here new in this country or that are of color have a very different story from the people that are white. Yeah, that's the education aspect of it, right? And I feel very privileged to know that I, I have access to someone like you in this platform so we can talk about this. But there are many women out there that are put in situations and it's happened to me as well. And sometimes I choose to respond, sometimes I don't. So I'm going to paint a scenario for you that I know if has happened to my niece and, and my sisters. And, um, you know, there, there are people you run into that are like, what kind of mother would cross the border with their children and put aye, their aye, children aye. in that kind of situation? And my response, without even getting into politics or anything, just basically what's right and wrong, is what kind of dire situation would you have to be in in the country you're leaving to have to think that the situation you're going into, knowing how scary it is, has to be better than what you're leaving? Like, think about that. And that's kind of like where the conversation ends, right? But I wish that I had some kind of like empowering like facts or like something at, at that point so I could be like, you know, this is, it's not about like politics and like, you know, I'm here to come and take your job. It's about like the freedom to cross the border and seek a better life, right? It's about being able to give your kid more than what you have in, in your current situation, right? And a lot of people are like, well, then, they should try to fix their the the politics or or their current situation. Let's just, just say, for example, um, Mexico, because that's the argument I have with a lot mm -hmm. of people. I, I know a lot of different people that do not think like me. So, like, what would you say to those people that are like, you know, maybe you should just stay in your country and try to make the best out of it? Or like, why do you even have to cross the border and come right. here? Right. Like, what would you say to somebody like that? Well, I mean, there's there's a lot of. First of all, the mentality here, you know, we have to start with the mentality here, which is very much like there's only one pie. And it's mm -hmm. like, listen, there's not only one pie. There's many pies. You know, I'm not going to take away a slice of your pie because there's five over there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and so so I think, you know, starting with that where, you know, we're not taking jobs from anybody. And unfortunately, our immigration system um, in the 80s, we made a, a determination of basically immigrants had to choose to either stay in the country or leave. 
because we created the the 10-year bar and the the three and 10-year bar, which means if you stay in this country for more more than 365 uh, days, you're going to be, if you leave, you trigger the bar, which means you cannot come back for 10 years. Mm -hmm. So you force people to choose where to live. And this is where their jobs were. Because unfortunately, companies and corporations are not held accountable. Uh, Thai company, for instance, is one one company that I boycott. Sorry, I'm going on a tangent, but it's important. No, it's um, okay. Go on. Thai, Thai, Thai um, company uh, had a huge a group of undocumented immigrants that they were horrendously exploiting in Chicago. Wow. They were caught. All these people were deported. And then, um, you know, the next day. They were they paid sixty five thousand dollars for fine, which is pennies for them. Mm-hmm. And then the next day, they just brought in some other undocumented workers, right. putting them in a in a situation. Um, so it's so it's the entire system. You know, it's the yeah. entire system that has a problem. Our immigration law system. We're a young nation. Our immigration laws are young. You know, the INA was created in the sixties, and and we've had. You know, our mentalities have changed because we feel, you know, there's this rhetoric of these people are coming to take our jobs away when they're they are not. You know, farm workers, you have unemployment. There was a study done and and I'd encourage you to look at studies. I think this is the best example you can give them. So, like, first of all, you know, we don't help these countries because these drugs are, you know, we're not enforcing. We're not putting the enforcement in the right place. We should be, for instance, encouraging um you know, Mexico to, to rebuild their border, their border cities, you know, we should be helping them in creating programs where, you know, um, el, el, el bunker, the bunker, I don't know if you've heard of the bunker where uh, military that were deported that served in the, for this country have a place in Mexico called El Bunker <laughs> and they help them y ayudan a los militares que trabajaron acá and they give them a job, they give them food, they are like a, a band of brothers that mm-hmm. help each other. So, so you know, there's everything starts with the fact that our immigration system is completely wrecked. And when mommies make a decision to bring their children, knowing that 80% of the girls get raped crossing the border, yep. when you make that decision and you do it knowingly, it is because death is imminent wherever you are. Exactly. Where femicide in El Salvador is of the roof, you know, women are being killed just because they're women. Right. So just like in Syria, you know, you're not going to put your kid in a body of water, knowing that they're going to drown in this horrible boat, knowing that this is the only chance that this is the only chance for you to leave the only chance of potential survival. Exactly. So it's the same story, you know, crossing the border. So many people die crossing the border. Like who wants to live? You know, this is the first thing I tell people who wants to come to a country where they don't know the language. They don't have connection. They don't have a family support. They don't have cultural support. Like who wants to do that? Nobody wants to do that. Nobody have. wants to do that right. unless you have to do it. And that is your only way out. <sighs> Carolina, thank you so for that. Much. It's can, so true. Can we expect you to run for Congress or Senate? <laughs> <laughs> But it's like, you know, it's it's just it's it's the whole system and it's our mentality. And we really need to do culture change because, mm-hmm. you know, these people that were farmers that we brought, you know, once the war hit, it was like, oh, shit, we don't have anybody to help us with the crops. So it's like, let's bring Mexicans over. And we're like, thank you so much for feeding our people because all our men are fighting in the war. Right. 
And then, you know, and then it's like, oh, but you know what? Never mind. Um, now you guys have to leave a few yeah, years yeah. later. And in well, the process, guess what? Let's give you like the worst possible working conditions where you might not even survive and go back with like a bunch of different kind of cancers. And poor. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's like, so it's like, listen, you know, these people now have children. Mm-hmm. and grand and grandkids and guess what like we are the generation that is here now we are the generation that is going to be like listen you're my friend i'm going to hold you accountable because i am equal to you right. like we are equal and i can have that job I and i am able to do that and the color of my skin does not dictate my intellect exactly so so, so everybody so, to all yeah. those races of white people out there we're not us latinos we're not going anywhere Mm-mm. we're here to stay. no and, and we're you know we're powerful and and there's a big force you know um there are really amazing women that are white that are fighting for us that are that are out there right. and and you know we want everybody we want everybody to say listen this is important to me because guess what my kid goes to school with your son that's right mm-hmm. and they're friends and i appreciate you and i love the diversity that you bring into my life and that's what mom's rising is mom's rising is a safe space Mamas con poder is that space where we can congregate and we can find more, you know, more of connections with our Latinas. Uh, but it is that space where we all come together and we say, listen, we are for gun control. We are for better food options. Mm-hmm. We are for family paid leave. So we invite you and everybody should should join us. Thank you that, so much That uh, is that. near listeners. Thank you. I know I got, I got you a little fired up, but like I, I really it. appreciate it because information <laughs> is power. And like. I know there are a lot of Latinas out there, young ones too, that get these kind of confrontations and they they need that kind of information to empower themselves to have these kind of, because they know it's wrong. They just don't know how to articulate it. Right. right? And now you've given them enough information so that they can kind of defend themselves out there in the world. And they're having these kinds of conversations with people that just don't get it. So obviously this is a tough job. You're consulting, you're working, you're a mother, how in the world do you stay centered? This is the kind of thing that takes a lot of energy out of you. How do you regain your energy and stay centered? Yeah, your spiritual strength. Yes. Through it all. You know, I, so I am also an artist and, um, what I do a lot is, uh, and what really helps me staying in touch with the community. That's really where, um, I, I feed my children obviously, but, but it, I really get a sense of, you know, what we're doing really matters when, um, when I'm in touch with the community. So like I, uh, I work with Shashama in New York and, and I, I do these workshops with undocumented mothers where I empower them about their rights, but we also do, uh, anxiety release working with clay. Mm, so, um, we do clay pieces and, and, you know, talking to them and sort of recognizing that I am not much different. Like I am just like them. I came to this country. My parents, you know, brought me seeking a better future. I mean, I was 19, but, um, you know, the only difference between me and them is my parents had money and I was able to to get a visa and, um, you know, sort of like work really hard to get to where I am. But um, it is no different than these moms that are working really hard at the corner. Some of them selling, you know, eh, churros or empanadas, um, you know, and, and so it's I feel very much um, identified with the community because I am new to this country to a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I feel very much that that's sort of like my, you know, I talk to these women and I feel, um, so much at peace and like, you know, what I'm doing is really empowering and, and, and it really, you know, that helps me along with running. Like I'm a runner. If I, if I didn't run, I, I don't know what would happen. 
Yeah. So, so I'll yeah. So I run. I'll be at the end of that with my flag. <laughs> <laughs> Running and art is therapy. I do the same thing actually as therapy, and I'm I'm so glad you shared that with us. Are you? Would you consider yourself like somebody that's uh, spiritually inclined? Someone that's in touch with their spirituality, with your intuition, with your bruja? I am. I am very much. Uh, you know, my my bruja and my my grandma's bruja. Uh-huh. Um, you know, like I I definitely feel feel. Um, you know, this Latina fire, uh, and you know, it's, I'm not identified exactly religiously. Cause like I read way too much philosophy for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I, but, but, you know, I do feel like I am very strong spiritually and I check myself and I feel like, you know, the gods really, uh, show me whenever I need to take a break, they force me by breaking my computer or, mm. you know, something like that. You're so I do feel like to the signs, though. exactly yeah. the signs, the signs are very important. And listen, just like I met Sochil, like randomly at, we all grow. Mm, and then like randomly, now we're though. not randomly. No, not exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Not mm-hmm. randomly, but it's like all these, all these, you know, I, I really do feel like all these connections and all these people that are coming into my life. And like, all of a sudden, like, um, it's like, you just have to be open and allow things to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for your, you know, to take a chance, like be out there. Like that was as soon as Trump won, I was like, I need to be out there because I had been mostly producing art and being with my children. And I was like, I really need to put myself out there because, you know, I, you know, I have a story and I have the tools for immigration. So like, I really need to be out there. And so I've, I've done that. And I, I appreciate, you know, the signs and, and my bruja power for sure. All right, I love, I that. love that. Shout out to Trump for bringing you out here, girl. Okay, honey. Welcome to all the coming out because of Trump. We thank you, Trump, for that. Okay. okay. Um, so with that being said and all that beautifulness and all that great information, thank you again, Carolina. Um, that's Carolina Rubio uh, McWright. Um, and she works for Mamas Con Poder, Moms Rising, and you can find them at momsrising.org or mamasconpoder.org. Yes, join us. And through Twitter, we have an Instagram and we will be launching a Facebook page because uh, we have a Facebook page, but it's private. But please join us on the launch, which will be happening uh, in February of 2018. Amazing. Wonderful. Thank you so much for being on the show today. We really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Muchas gracias. Gracias. Tenga buen día. Okay. <laughs> Adios. Bye, Brujita. Okay. Ciao. Bye. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for listening. That was an important conversation. It is current. It is happening now. It's not going to end very soon. And we're going to be uh, sharing the link in our show description. Yeah, check it out. Thank you to Carolina, who will be on my right for joining us today. That was very informational and very needed, like Sydney said. So keep an eye out. Who he doesn't tell me this alike. There's a lot of work to be done. Tomorrow. Yes, there is. Mm-hmm. Oh. This is Cindy. This is Nat. Peace. Thank you.